Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Amen. So today we are talking about one parable that I think everybody knows. Um, you should know if it's on the school, you should know the parable of the Good Samaritan. When I saw it, I was, for those who were close to me, I kept asking, what am I supposed to say? Because I felt it was self-explanatory, but God started showing me different parts of it. I'm like, okay. I didn't even know this parts of it. So we're talking about the parables of the Good Samaritan, and we're going to read it together as always. Um, please open your Bibles to Luke 10. Luke 10 from verse 25 to 36. We're going to read it together. Is everybody good? Are we good? Are we excited? Are we excited to be alive? Okay. <laughs> Luke 10 from verse 25 to 36. I read one, you read the other. Luke 10 from verse 25 to 36. Are we there? Okay, let's do this. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 26. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. 28. Twenty-nine, and but he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, "And who is my neighbor?" Thirty. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. 32. 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. 34. Thirty-five. On the next day, when he departed, he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, "Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you." Thirty-six. So, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Spirit of the living God, breathe upon your word. Teach us from the foot of the cross. Father, we ask you, O oh God, that you take out me, take out self, O oh God, and let it be what you want us to learn. Father, we pray, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit will expand, O oh God, and give us understanding of what you're teaching us, that it might be useful for the work that you're giving to us. And Father, I ask, O oh God, that at the end of this day, this word will not be like a seed that was sown on the ground of thorns, but it will be like a seed that was grown that will bring forth fruit and also have roots in our lives. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. And so today my topic is, who is my neighbor? Who is my 
neighbor. We're going to dissect the entire parable from the point of the question down to the end of the parable. And we'll understand it together. We're doing this together. I'm also trying to learn. Praise God. Um, 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? From my little research, I found out that that question was actually asked 19 times. Jesus was asked that same question 19 times. What shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God, to inherit eternal life? In different forms, but it was the same thing, the same meaning. And Jesus said, what is written in the law? When Jesus came, we all know Jesus said that I'm not here to change the law. He kind of just defined it for us. Made us understand the entire context of the law. And so Jesus asked him again, he said, what was, what's written in the law? And he said, you should love the Lord your God with all of your might and all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you answered rightly, do this and you will live. And you know what shocked me was, the lawyer already had the answer to his question. What shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus said, love yourself, love your neighbor, and love God. Simple. But just like many of us, we kind of want to poke a little bit more and, you know, try to justify some things that we probably have been doing. And maybe when God is telling us do this or don't do that, and we're trying to justify or give excuse. And Jesus being Jesus... I had an answer for him. He said, who is my neighbor? And one thing that, the first thing that struck me at the beginning when Jesus said, you have to love the Lord your God with all of your might, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your heart. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. First thing that struck to me was that you can't say you love God and do not love your neighbor. It works end in end. It's, it works together. You can't say you love your neighbor and not love God. And I felt this, this lawyer, being a lawyer, being someone who likes to interrogate and likes to just poke at people to get what they want, was trying to justify that, okay, I might say I love God, but why must I love my neighbor? Okay, let's say, okay, I want to love my neighbor, but then I don't know who's, who my neighbor is. And the first role, I want us to write this down, topic again is always my neighbor. And we're going to explain each person's role in the story. And how it pertains to us and our day now. The first role was the role of the lawyer. The lawyer was trying to find an excuse. The lawyer was trying to justify himself. Take himself out of the, the equation. Like, okay, you say that I have to love my neighbor, but then I don't know my neighbor. And let's get into the parable. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and left him to death. And the first thing that the first thing that the Lord kind of made me understand was that this certain man is anybody and everybody. When we think about it, most of the time we think about people that were attacked by thieves. But when the Bible says that the thief cometh but to kill the to destroy, to steal, but I have come that I might give you eternal life. Who is the thief? The thief is Satan. And so I saw a lot of us in the role of this certain man. Some of us, the devil, have stolen something from us. 
It might not look exactly like someone who is who needs help. It might not look exactly like someone who's been beaten or look like someone who's half dead. But this setting man represents most of us. This setting man represents some of us who the devil has taken our relationship with God. The devil has taken something that's so precious to us. We are all we are all on a journey. We are all in a journey from here back to where we are coming from. The Lord sent us here with assignment. And some of us, the devil has already changed our assignment. And so most of us are this certain men. Like I said, the first one, the role of the lawyer, now the role of the certain man. And praise God. The second role here until um, first a priest. A priest came by and literally went the other way. And the priest is us too. And some of us are representation of the priest here. We have friends in our friendship group that are lost, that have been beaten and battered spiritually, but we just turn a blind eye. There's one thing to know I've noticed, but it's one thing to notice and turn a blind eye. Some of us have turned a blind eye. We think that our neighbor is that person that looks like they need help. Our neighbor is the next person next to us. Our neighbor is our siblings. Our neighbor is our neighbor in our homes. Our neighbor is the person we see on the road just walking by that needs help. But sometimes people will not look like they need help, except you have the spirit of discernment. Sometimes we have French friends in our friendship groups that have been battered and beaten by the enemy and have lost their work with God and have lost their purpose, have lost their calling. And we just turn a blind eye at it or we just turn, we act like we don't see it. It might look like the, it might seem like the littlest of things. Oh, I'm sure she knows. I'm sure she's working on it. It might be that person in church that you see every Sunday and the spirit is telling that this person needs help. But you're waiting for the good Samaritan. The priest, if you will read the Bible on who the priest is, the priest is the priest. The priest is the one that preaches. The priest is the one that does, that goes into the temple. The priest is the one that literally has the communication with God. So don't you have high expectation from, from a priest? A priest is the person that should have been the first person to see this guy from afar and come running and say, I think you need help. The religious, to the religious man, the wounded man was a problem to be avoided. A problem to be avoided. Sometimes we feel like if we've not started it, we don't have to finish it. And you know, I learned this thing from one of my spiritual fathers and said, those people that God has put in your environment, those people God has put as your neighbors, he will ask you about them, whether you talk to them or not. Because he has assigned you to them one way or another. You're not just in people's lives to just be bodies. You're in people's lives to be an influence, positively or negatively. So to the priest, the certain man, the wounded man, was a problem to be avoided. And then we had a Levite who, who actually got there, looked at him, Probably even spoke to him and went his way. Mm -hmm. 
some of us are that role of the Levite. We, we know they have a problem, but what we do is that we gossip about the problem. I learned this thing from one of my fathers. He said, gossip is when you talk about a problem without providing a solution. So some of us, we know this person has a problem. But the next thing we do is we talk to somebody else about the problem. We probably even talk to the person about his problem or our problem, but not providing a solution. And you know, it just reminded me of um, James 2, 15 to 16. James 2, 15 to 16. James 2, 15 to 16, it says, If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Some of us are that person that tells them their problem and just say, God bless you. Or let's just say even pray to an extent. You know this person's problem is food. And the next thing you do is pray for them. You did not solve your problem. I know one of the definitions I put here is that love means acting to meet the person's need and not just saying sorry. The Levite, if, you, if you're going to the Bible and understand who the Levites are, they are people in the church, in the temple that does the singing. The Psalms, they are the ones that perform construction, maintenance of the temple. So they literally live in the temples. There are most of us serving in the house of God. But what we do when we see someone that needs help, we, we just talk to them about their problem, not about the solution. And then we had the Good Samaritan. I love that guy because the Samaritans, if you know who the Samaritans are, they are the forbidding ones, quote unquote. They are the ones that um, the Israelites and the Gentiles and all of that, they're just they're, they're like a mixed race. So they're the ones that, are, I don't want to use some words, but they're the ones that are not, the first person that people will think of is not the Samaritan. They're not the ones that you expect that level of kindness from because of how deserted they have been themselves. They're not the kind of person you expect that kindness from because they're outcast. And you know, one thing I love about the Samaritan is he did what they all did. It went, he saw him. He had a conversation with him, but he didn't leave him that way. And it just, remind, it just points out, reminds me of Jesus. Jesus is, is that one man that would see you in a particular way and do not leave you that same way. But take you from where you are to a place where you get help. And the Samaritan did not just, he did not just take him and take, took care of him. He actually took him to a place and said, take care of him and give him some money. If you need anything, I will come back and pay for more. And he went as far as making sure that that person was, had gotten the help that they need. Sometimes we might not have the help. We might not have the solution to people's problems. 
not all the time we should have the solution to people's problems. You know? we, I don't know, it's not possible. But you're finding a way to get people to where they need the help. Taking them to where they can be helped and not just leaving them there and thinking they have been helped, but following up and finding out, has this person received help? And it's so funny because after Jesus told the story, Jesus asked the man, who amongst these three are, who amongst these three do you think the neighbor is to him? And it's so funny because even the lawyer himself could not use his mouth to say the Samaritan. He said, the one that showed mercy. That's because of how much, because this is a real story. This was not just a parable like Jesus, because we know Jesus says a lot of parables, but this was an actual story that actually happened that Jesus was telling the lawyer. And the lawyer could even say the Samaritan because of how much he, he, they, they had no regard for the person or, peoples of the, or, or people that called Samaritans. And Jesus said, your neighbor is that one person that needs help and that you ensure they get help. That's definitely, that's, that's who your neighbor is. It's, when I think about the, one of the things in this story, it just made me realize that Jesus is ready to die for everybody. He did not come to die for a particular set of people. He didn't come to die for a particular group of people. He came to die for everybody. It's, it was man. It was the, the people that made the Samaritans tagged the way they were. Jesus just saw him as another man that needs to be helped. And it's another man that he has come to save. Who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is that hungry man in Africa, where the part of Africa that they show you on TV. Your neighbor is the crying child in, in, in South Africa, in, South, in different countries. Your neighbor, your neighbor is that person that you know that, you, that needs help and that you take an extra mile to help. Because there's one thing to actually know that somebody needs help. But there's another thing to actually help the person. Your neighbor is that person that you see on the street. I remember a few days ago, I was driving, and I saw this guy. He looked like he's probably lost his mind, and he was walking on the road. And all my drive till I got to my destination, I was thinking, how can I help this person? What are the resources to help this person? This person looked like he just newly lost his mind. He was fresh. And I was thinking to myself, how can I help this person? I don't know. Am I supposed to call 911? Like, what exactly is the protocol? Obviously, I'm supposed to do more than just think. I'm supposed to find a way to help this person. Okay, this Jesus... Jesus gave this story not only teaching people about, because if you think about it, Jesus is not supposed to tell the parable. The Jesus is already given the guy's answer. The lawyer already had his answer. You want to get to heaven? Love your neighbor as yourself. And love your, the Lord your God with all of that. And the lawyer is us when God tells us to this is God telling us to love our neighbor. This is God telling us to help our neighbor. And then some of us, are, we are asking God, who is our neighbor? We are in the position of the lawyer right now. 
asking God who is our neighbor, asking God how do we help our neighbor, asking God how do we reach our neighbor. The moment God calls you into the work that he has given to you, he gives you a responsibility to every, everybody who's around you. It, 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 that moment, you're, you're getting that responsibility for everybody who is, who is connected to you, your family, your friends, your siblings. The three principles that I picked up from this parable. The first thing, lack of love is often easy to justify even though it is never right. Most of us do not show love, but we justify why we do not show love. I just said it now. The guy who looked like he just lost his mind, I did not know how to help him. So I justified at that moment why I could not help him. The lawyer justified why he, did not, why he couldn't love his neighbor because he didn't know who his neighbor was. It's so easy to, we are so good at making excuses for ourselves. We are the best at it. We can do it very well. Because we, we think, we put ourselves in all of the scenarios and we say, okay, this fits perfectly. And that's why God says, Jesus said, you have to love your Lord, your God with all of your might and all of your strength. Because you need strength to love. Oh, it takes, it, takes, it takes a special level of strength. Jesus knew that you need, he said three things, it's four things actually. He said you need your soul, so you need your soul to love. He said you need your strength to love, you need your heart to love, you need your mind to love. So you cannot love with your mind and leave the strength part of it. The strength is doing those things to ensure that this person gets the help that he needs. The heart and your mind and your soul will have a full-on conversation on whether you need to help the person. Like I said, our neighbor is anyone of any race, any grade, any social background who is in need. Our neighbor is anyone. Forget need. Our neighbor is everybody around us. The world is a big neighborhood, but we lack brotherhood. We are really all together, but we do not care for each other. I, can, I think about all the wars and all the world wars, one, two, three, and the 17, and how many world wars we're still fighting. And I think to myself that if we had love, we would not have to fight. Because if you think about it, the whole reason Jesus told that story was just to tell the lawyer that you need to love. And I'm not talking of the love that leads to relationship or whichever. I'm talking of the love that Jesus has commanded us to. That love that you see someone falling in a ditch and you actually find a way to get them out and not just go home and pray for them. Lack of love is easy, easily justified. And this thing keeps coming back to me. Lack of love is easily justified. We have an excuse for everything. We have an excuse for every reason why we are doing what we are doing, when we are doing it, and how we are doing it. I have six minutes.
let me summarize. <laughs> this story, like I said, is the story of Jesus. That's what I see. I see Jesus. I see one type of human being who is supposed to be a child of God. I see another type of human being is another level of a child of God. And I see Jesus being the good Samaritan. And I see Jesus coming to help those who are wounded, who are lost. And you know, Jesus, so he will, he will read toward the end. So when he took him to the end, this is just Jesus cleaning up our wound and taking us to where we are safe. And then sending the Holy Spirit and saying, I've paid with my blood. I will come back again for this soul. He paid with us. He said, he gave him money and then he said, first he said he cleaned his wound. Perfect. 34. So he, said, so he went with him and bandaged his wound and poured an oil. And I see the oil as the, the Holy Spirit. It, it did not only clean us. There's one thing to clean and bandage. If, I'm not medical, but I watch a lot of medical series. So I'm a doctor. <laughs> but I know that you just need a bandage. I don't, the oil and the wine part of it, I don't think that's necessary, but he did that. And that represented something. The oil represented the Holy Spirit. And so he bandaged him and he gave him the oil, which is the Holy Spirit. And then he gave him wine, which is the blood of Jesus. And then when he did all of that and he saw that I have given you my blood, I've given you the Holy Spirit, and he took him to a place where he's safe and preserved, and he paid and gave, also gave the innkeeper the blood and said, I have paid for this soul. He is, it is, he is mine. I'll come back for him. And that's Jesus saying that I would come back for you. I have paid with the, with the blood. I have left you with the Holy Spirit, but I have kept you safe that I will come back for you. So the good Samaritan is Jesus. And Jesus is saying to somebody, I have cleaned you up. The devil had come for you. The devil had stolen from you. The devil has destroyed you. Oh, he's almost trying to kill you, but I have come for you. I have come for you not just with my blood, but I have left the Holy Spirit. And I've kept you safe because I will come back for you. And so we're going to pray. I don't know who amongst you here is wounded. If you think about it, the devil has stolen something from you. You're going to ask for the good Samaritan, which is Jesus, to come and clean you up. And he's not going to only clean you up. Ask that he will give you the spirit, the Holy Spirit. The blood of Jesus who wipes away everything. You think you've committed, you think you've sinned? Oh, the blood of Jesus is worthy enough. Oh, you think you've done things that is so unspeakable that you cannot say it to anybody. Oh, don't, I promise you God has had worse. And so you're going to say everything you want to say to God. He's listening to you. And he's not just going to bandage you. Oh, no, nah, he's not going to leave you like that. He's going to keep, give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you the blood of Jesus and take you to that place where he will keep you for his return. So confess to God right now and tell him the, 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 bad, the worst things you think you've done. 
I promise you, it's nothing for two, nothing compared to the blood of Jesus. It's nothing to the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you. And then it will not just leave you like that. Oh, he's going to give you the, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Oh, who is a great comforter? Who is a counselor? Who is a helper? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Because you are the best Samaritan. You are the son of the carpenter who nobody thought anything good could come out from. And you showed us that, oh, you are the son of God. And so if there's anybody here who you've heard about Jesus, you know about Jesus, but you do not have a relationship with Jesus, or you probably did have a relationship with Jesus, but not anymore. He is here. He will not just send you into, he will not just send you to earth and just leave you like that. He's not that type of father. He is a good, good father. And so he, he doesn't just want to leave you here for the devourer to attack you. Oh no, he wants, to, he wants to bring you here and be with you. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're thinking, I'm going through all of this, but I don't know how Jesus can do it. Oh, that's not for you to worry about. The peace of God is available for you. And so just repeat after me, Lord Jesus. I come to you even as a daughter or a son. Father, I need you. I want you. Cleanse me with your blood. Make me all again. And Father, like your word that you sent today, oh God, give me your Holy Spirit and with your blood, make me whole. Thank you, King of glory. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. If you made that decision, just wave your hands. If you made that decision, if you're online, the number will be shown online. Just text that number, saved. God got us. God has our back every day, every time, every second, every minute. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Again, text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.